Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show, Guy. How are you doing tonight? All right, Sean. How's it going, man? I'm good. We're going to talk to Guy tonight. Guy has been in and is in Ludacris and Scatterbrain, and he also has a fantastic store in New York. So we're going to go over a little bit of his history, and then we're going to talk about what's going on with him now and the bands and his store. Um, initially starting off, clearly you've been a musician your whole life. Your, your family musicians, or are you the first one hopping into it? Um, yeah, I'm pretty much the first one. I mean, I mean, cousins and stuff down the road, yes, but right. You didn't grow up in a house of music no, musicians, not at all. Did you start on bass? Um, probably when I was younger, I was playing a little bit of guitar, you know, and, and going and taking, uh, you know, lessons at the church, trying to get yeah. playing. And I just, you know, I couldn't do it. I was young. I was probably around ten, mm-hmm. and um, kind of gave it up. And weird thing as i got older a teenager my friends were in a in a band in high school junior mm-hmm. high so um i would go to see them all the time i always wanted to be the rock guy but i i just never really did anything about it and then uh i went to their rehearsal and the bass player didn't show up and the guitar player says hey you think you can do this you play these four notes it was like eric clapton cocaine so yeah. you know, I, I did that and he said hey, follow along with this one now and I did a couple of songs with them. You know, I had to look back then. I had the big pork chop sideburns and, you know, long hair. And and uh, they said, yeah, you want to be in the band? And that's how I started. And I just, from there, I just kept going from band to band to band and learning as I was playing, really. Is there a certain type of music you're listening to where you like Sabbath or more punk or more Zeppelin or like Ramones or a mixture? Back then? Yeah. Well, back then, of course, at a young age, you know, you start out with the Beatles at a very young age, you know, five, six, mm-hmm. seven years old. Then uh, Kiss came out and I got a, became a big Kiss fan and Ted Nugent and more of the harder rock Led Zeppelin. But then at 11, I discovered Frank Zappa and that was it for me. I just went deep, deep into Zappa and then got into the whole, uh, you know, the jazz rock fusion thing. That would explain a lot of the influences in, in, in your later bands, too. Yeah, there's there's no rules. (laughs) There's no roadmap on it. It's like here we go, and it's funny because the other guys in the band pretty much kind of along the same uh, lines as me. You know, they might like the Allman Brothers and Lou Reed and stuff, but then there's Zappa and you know, like Glenn was really into the Dead, and um, so I guess when we were all together, like you said, there was no rules. We didn't say, oh, we're gonna write this way. Even when it came from, we came out of Ludacris. And we're kind of melding into scatterbrain. It wasn't a conscious thing that we said, all right, now stop writing thrash, uh, you know, hardcore type of stuff. It was just the way it just kind of evolved into the next thing. And yeah. that was it. Clips, I don't know how they're dated, but it's like of, of Ludacris doing some scatterbrain songs and sounding a little yeah. bit rough around the edges. And then hearing that and then going right into it, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. So, How'd you end up towards doing Ludacris and how that form? With all those guys. How, how'd you I'm guys, sorry. Ludacris, how'd you guys start getting together? Well, I wasn't in the original band. Ludacris started in, um, I believe it was 1984. Tommy and Glenn were in the band um, mm-hmm. with a few other guys that were the original members. Uh, kind of changed a little bit from there. And then what happened was the second album for Ludacris came out, Power Trip. At that point, my friend Paul, Paul Nieder, who's in the band. Oh yeah. Um, we went to, we were in high school together. At the time that he joined for that power trip album and they were writing that album, 
me and him were playing in a local band, this girl, uh, TC Cross. And it was kind of glam rock type of stuff. And um, I won't say glam, but rock stuff. And um, he was doing it. And at the same time, you know, we were doing the other thing. And he started showing me what he was doing. And he, he would bring me the tape and I'd be like, what the hell is this? Because I didn't, I didn't even, I never heard of Metallica or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I was not into any of that. So um, I was like, man, I don't know what this stuff is. And so we kept doing our thing. He was doing his thing. And then they started touring for that album. Um, and along the touring, I guess they were having some issues, whatever. They were looking for a bass player and a drummer. And he was calling me. And I basically was turning it down. I was like, nah, I'm just not into the music. I really don't get it. And um, finally, at some point, they were like, look, we, we need a bass player. We have a tour of Europe and uh, we really need someone. So I was like, Europe, you know, his... how old are you? A Europe tour? I mean, at that uh, point. back then, uh, so Europe was uh, 1988. So I was like 23. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh. And uh, tour of Europe and play bass. Yeah. Yeah. I was as <laughs> Sign me up. I was in... I was in college at the time and um, yeah, I took off for a month and, you know, went and did that. So I had to learn the two Ludacris albums. And mm -hmm. uh, again, it was, it's, it's not something I was ever into, but I really joining the band at that point, learning the stuff and then going out and um, doing the tour and playing with that band and playing with the drummer, Dave Miranda, I really got my chops and really, you know, got much better with my playing playing with that band and it was something that i grew to really dig you know that the music later on that was a big part of the transition was that was a big push for you yeah you're clearly yeah. You're, you're not a regular bass player yeah you know yeah, I, mean, I, kinda, I, I do a little bit of everything you know i, I yeah because right. i play with my fingers i play my thumb i play with a pick you know so it's just like i said in the beginning it's like i when i started out i just started out playing by following someone's fingers and then you know, I just went from band to band to band, just learning as I was going. So, did you have any formal lessons? I did some, yeah. Nothing great, though. I didn't really stick with it. So, so at that point, what happened for the, tra tra the transition, like for the band to go from Ludacris to actually make the whole scatterbrain change? Like, what? Um, what happened was as we were coming out of the Power Trip tour after Europe and then uh, doing some more uh, United States shows, the drummer Dave uh, left the band and mm -hmm. we needed a drummer. So here we went back, me and Paul went to high school together. We went to our drummer from high school, called him and see if he were interested. We all grew up in the same town in Long Island, oh, okay. uh, in Hicksville. And um, so we called Mike and Mike Boyko came in and joined. At that time, we were still ludicrous. And... Um, so that's how that started. And as we were doing that, because now I was in the band for a while now, Mike came into the band. Mm -hmm. Then, the, you know, just things, you know, we were playing and jamming and it, it was, it was different. It was coming from a different, you know, um, background from different people in the band now. And that's when, as we were writing new stuff, it wasn't sounding like Ludacris anymore. It was starting to change. And then the discussion came, well, should we change the name? Because Ludacris was kind of keeping us back a little bit because people thought you were a devil-worshipping band. Yep. And, you know. So um, 
that was the next thing we did. We talked to the record label and they thought that was a good idea. And at that point, you know, we were on combat and then combat was yeah, in effect right. was just starting out. Yep. And um, they said, well, let's put you on that. And basically we were writing the songs. We were still out as Ludacris, but playing some of the scatterbrain songs that we were writing, testing it out. And then um, we decided to, you know, make that shift over, release the album. And then all of a sudden it was just like, wow. You know, we, we uh, grabbed the attention of a bunch of people. It was great. I think, you know, where'd you get the name from? We were jamming one day. And one of the things we used to like to do is just screw around and pick different songs. And Paul started playing the song. And I was like, that's Jeff Beck's Scatterbrain. And at that time, we were having like a contest of uh, relativity or in effect, was trying to get us a new name. And we had a contest and people were sending all these names, all these names. Mm -hmm. And I just said scatterbrain, and all of us looked at each other. We were like, that's it. That's the name. And that was it. It's great. The album, the album artwork, what was that all about? Or, tell you about uh, it? That was from the artist Robert Williams. He did um, the, well, obviously he did the cover for the Ludacris Power Trip album, but he also mm -hmm. did it for the covers for um, uh, Guns N' Roses. And I don't know, we just saw that painting i think tommy was the one who might have found it or glenn i'm not really sure and we just thought it was uh it's great i had a poster i like for a long time yeah especially for here comes trouble i mean it kind of perfect you know setup with that picture i mean it, it was the perfect storm the the music it all the album's a perfect length the songs fit perfectly the, you know even like the cover you know the chichin chong song you did i hadn't heard it prior to that i you know wasn't I heard, of course, I go back and learn as I got older now, but that was yeah. a good exposure for me. Um, you guys doing classical, you know, you, you know, Sonata number three, also yeah. something that we're doing. There's a lot of things going on in there that wasn't being done at the time. Yeah, yeah. Only a handful of bands were doing that crossover at that time. Yeah, and again, like I said, we weren't, you know, we didn't plan it out. This wasn't like a well thought out plan that we came up with. I don't think we were that smart. We just kind of, it just kind of just flowed out and that's the way it ended up. It was, um, and then of course your biggest song was Don't Call Me Dude, which is a fun fun song. Yeah. I like it, but I have other favorites a little more. But you know, I was yeah, Down With The mine. Ship. No, I know. But I can tell you, but Down With The Ship, to me, I saw there's still a few parts in there I don't know all the songs to. It's got <laughs> I think it's the drum parts. The did, 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 did. And the two different sides, those are two different, I don't know. Um, I like that. Well, yeah, you know, one is from um, uh, Iron Maiden song, one is Genesis, and um, yeah, in the air tonight, that Genesis song. And I forget what the third one is, but I, I don't know if you know, but that Down with the Ship is really a ludicrous song. Yeah, I did know that, but yeah. I didn't, I don't think I've heard that. Yeah, it's very totally different. So is later it? on, go back and listen. You'll see it's totally different. What happened was we were rehearsing, you know, as Ludacris. And in that song, there was breaks in between. And, you know, uh, something happened where in, in a break, someone threw a stupid little riff in to kind of throw us off to see if we'd come back in on time. Mm -hmm. And then, then I threw in a riff. And, and then it just, we said, oh, hey, let's, let's do it, this. It's so good. It's like, you know, they do the... Um break and you go to uh well like zeppelin yeah like it's it's so all over it but it, it it's so good <laughs> um then you, guys, we just, we just yeah. played, you know 
screwing around, having fun, and that's what it was about. That that was good. I mean, like so, yeah, the whole album was really good. Um, Dan was Dan Lineker played on it. He sang right in the yeah. background on. Um, yeah, um, John Conley. Yeah, they they came down for vocals. Gang vocals. Those are great. Yeah, the vocals yeah. sounded really good too. They fit perfect in the song. His voice was just. Oh spot yeah, on. John Conley in, in uh, "Goodbye Freedom." Yeah, yeah. When it, he just cuts right through it, and it, oh, yeah. it fits great. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you guys did that, and you guys did your tour. Now at this point, I'd seen you guys a few times. You know, um, you guys were going through uh, Pat Travers. You guys were doing "Boom Boom Boom." Of course, the lights a lot at that time. If you're at the end or something. Really, I don't remember that one, but maybe. Yeah, it's very possible. Glenn would Glenn would come out and do it and talk about it. And I remember you guys were also doing. Um, Tommy would take a break in his chicken suit and go to the bar. Yeah. And then you guys would do, for a while. You guys were doing girls, girls, girls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did the best some version Skinner. ever. We, yeah, yeah, we did a bunch of stuff. You guys did a bunch of great covers, and of course, the radio stuff. Yeah, it, but it was fun. It was it was something at the time that a lot of bands I was not experiencing. It was usually a very serious rock show. Yeah. You guys were doing serious music. It was you guys were playing well, but you were also having fun with it. And, and it was yeah. a very entertaining show. It was like, you know, an event more than a show. Yeah, we and yeah, it was you know, it was kind of a show in the in the, in the sense that when we played a sh- a concert a show, you know, it was visual, not just sitting there listening to us play. You know, mm-hmm. we were screwing around. We were doing the costume changes. We were doing the stupid crap like that, and uh, you know, we had a good time. And that's it was. We wanted to have a good time. You know, I think. Um, the inside of the the album cover for Here Comes Trouble has a picture of the five of us in black and white. Very serious, but we're all wearing the nose and glasses. Yes. And I thought that was the actual, the best picture that we've ever taken that really kind of shows what the band was about. You know, we were serious at what we did, but we, you know, we didn't take ourselves too seriously. No, it was really good. I mean, um, how much touring did you do for that album? I'm sorry. How much touring for that album were you guys doing? Uh, oh wow, we did a lot of touring. That was um, we worked hard. Uh, when we were touring, we would go out for about three months at a time, and we would play six to seven nights a week. And besides the shows, we would hit every single every time we came into a town. There was either a record signing, uh, you know, a meet and greet, an interview. I mean, we just were nonstop. And it was great. You know, you know, people were interested, people wanted us to do it and we were totally into it. So we, we worked our asses off. You guys are obviously headlining. Did you guys do any um, other like shows where you open for other bands? We did a festival in Arizona. It was a two day festival. So we did, we were playing with like the meat puppets and um, Jesus Jones and a few other bands. We played um, with, uh, boy, you put me on the spot here. I got to think. Uh, we actually played with the Smashing Pumpkins on Long Island. We did. Um... Oh, man. I think. So the f- I think it was the first album when we were in Europe. Um, and maybe it was the second album. I forget. Well, we When we were in Europe, we opened up for um, for the Ramones in Italy. Yep. And we open up for uh um the red hot chili peppers in Germany. Those make those make sense to me. Yeah. Well uh, the reason but, I asked is because I'm sorry, is because you guys like 
especially back then, once you know, in the nineties, once rock ate itself because you know, grunge, you know, where to where to put you guys would have been like more at that time, like would have been like you know what I mean? Because yeah. it was more of an eclectic mix at that point. Like everything was it was up for grabs. You guys are still in the beginning, you know, of of just being you guys were kind of cutting your own thing. Maybe taste the more. Um twenty four seven spies. Yep. Um those are the bands that were kind of just doing something a little different. So I don't think there was a lot of other people out there at the time that you guys could have been like. Yeah, I think we were like right in the beginning of all that um, yeah. as it was happening. And um, yeah, it was it was definitely different. Of course, then, you know, 92, 93 came around and we had switched record labels and, you know, yes. for the second album. And, you know, that's when the show. Not different too. It's, your songwriting was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, was a little, so, what, so what happened? Little so you, more, you came little back, too, little too produced. Yeah, so you came back. Obviously, you probably had a big break because you're exhausted, or whatever. So, so then what happened? That you guys, the label ended or something? The deal ended? And then... No, no. Um, what happened was when we were on the road touring for "Here Comes Trouble," uh, two of the A and R guys from Electra started following us around, literally mm-hmm. following us around and taking us out to eat and wine and dine and you know, filling the bus with booze and, you know, and um, they wanted us to sign with them. And I think, you know, there was definitely some reluctancy and I definitely was not too interested in doing it. But, you know, you're talking about a huge label. Metallic was on the label uh, and, you know, all that money that they were waving around and and power, we felt like, you know, it made sense. Mm -hmm. And um, we made that jump and we we did the album and 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 again the the um the album the music just came out different had nothing to do with changing labels no one can ever say oh why don't you write a song like this because we don't write like this well, i don't we think anybody write. did it felt a little yeah. more serious though i think a little bit more a little more serious yeah i don't think it was serious i mean I, when you, you listen to the uh, to the um the lyrics and everything there's still a lot of tongue-in-cheek everything oh no very... it does I, I don't know it just i don't know what it was me it used to just be me it, it felt a little more serious than the first one it, i don't know maybe because of the sound i think it wasn't as raw darker it wasn't as raw and and and, and hard rock as the the first album was you know yeah. the, the, that's what i when i hear it you know you can hear it's much more polished and produced you know you got the horns on certain songs right. um you know, there's there's different things like that. So it doesn't have that rawness of the you know the the guitar, bass, and drums that um, here comes yeah. trouble. With. I think that's what might have thrown some people off too, because I mean I listened to that album and I go, there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. A lot of the playing was really yeah. great too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some really good stuff there, but um, people got caught up that it wasn't um, you know raw like the first album. Well, I think the first you know, even raw is you know. Is, is given a, you know, it, it's it's. I think it's produced perfectly because your bass, the guitars, you can hear everything separately. And you use a lot of albums you don't hear bass in, along with the guitars. It usually blends or two guitars. Yeah. It's you know everything kind of goes in and out. You know, mm-hmm. that album you can hear everybody. Yeah, everybody. You know, it. That's what. That's what. That's what a good rock album should sound like to me. Yeah. You know, um, and then once you said so once you start getting a little more produced, everything kind of blends in a little bit so much. It is moments, but it's not like hey, I can hear the bass for that song. Yeah. You know, maybe more people like it that way. And obviously the producer likes it that way. Um, but yeah, Grandma's House of Babes, you, you know, the, some of the songs are just as funny, you know, um, Swiss Army Girl. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tastes just like chicken, you know. Yeah, it tastes just like chicken. And it was yeah. perfect timing for it. I mean, yeah. Um, I think only a few songs like Down the Road felt a little more serious, but um, I think uh, Hard Line. No. Uh, Fine Line. Fine Line, thank you. Yeah. Um, we're the only ones that are a little more serious. Well, that was definitely a more serious, uh, you know, subject too, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I always felt he had something important to say. Tommy had something to say, though. Did he write most of his yeah. lyrics, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, he wrote everything. Yeah, Tommy was really good at that. He, he's good. I think he's also underrated himself. Uh, yeah. As a, as a performer and a singer and an entertainer, I think, uh, you know. So the album came out. Did you guys do any touring with it a little bit? I didn't. It was harder for that point to see you guys because I was. Yeah, so that was kind of, uh, you know, a whole shit show in itself, man. It was... Um we were going back out on the road and at that point that's when nirvana came out and everything started mm-hmm. changing so we would go get into towns that we had played you know two years before a year and a half before for the here comes trouble album and we would pull up to you know a venue in the afternoon and kids would be coming up and go we didn't even know you were playing we just found out now and um you know the record label, they, they dropped the ball. They just It, it was crazy because if there's a band that could have made it through that period. Yeah. You guys were not yeah, we lumped always, in. We always felt that way that, you know, even if the album wasn't the first album, people still wanted to come and see us. And they the yeah. live show would have, you know, continued to be just as good as the first album. But, you know, Electric dropped the ball. They just didn't care. You know, they were too hung up on seeing what the next you know, Nirvana was going to be or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, one of the things that we saw that when we used to go up to the, you know, to a lecture in the city, you know, when you first walked in, you know, there was this huge poster of, um, uh, I think it was, um, oh, who did that song? Apple Pie. Um, uh, Warrant. Warrant. So there's a big thing of Warrant, in, in, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, lobby of Electra. And then after that whole Nirvana thing, that was down, and I think it was um, Allison Chains. It might, might have been Pearl Jam or whatever. Whoever was on the, you know, whoever was the grunge band on that label was the one that took it over, and that whole thing kind of changed said, a lot. Yeah, I've heard actually. Janie Lane said he came in to, from guy from Warrant. He knew the, the, the grunge had come as he went there. They, their first, like you said, it was there. And he saw it next time he went back to the label. Allison Chain's poster was there and theirs was gone. Yeah. And he knew it was done. So yeah. He it, even acknowledged his poster not being there anymore. Yeah. It, it, you know, it just, it just like happened like overnight. It was the weirdest thing, but it sucked too, because we worked so hard and took what we did very seriously that um, to, sh- to show up to gigs and for the kids not to know that we're there and to not being, you know, we're sitting around during the day, not doing interviews or not doing meet and greets. And, you know, we were like pissed. You know, we were not happy, you know, and then, you know, the arguing started with the, with the uh, label and everything. And, you know, eventually we got off of it at that point, lost momentum. You know, you're talking about now you're talking almost three years later. Uh, the music scene changed a lot because of grunge and. Um, Glenn had left the band. Yeah. Oh, he did. OK. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of hard to know because there was no internet and I was still a fan, but I was like, yeah. all right, I got the second album, what's going on? And then like all of a sudden on the blur, um, Mindus and Delectus came out for me, it popped up, you know, at the time as a fan. So Yeah. So yeah. Glenn left yeah. before that and that was it for him. Yeah, that was it for him. That was it. And we, we went through um we went on to record the Mundus album, you know, 
as a four piece. And, okay. uh, you know, it was really an EP. And, uh, you know, we were giving it one more shot. And at that point after that, um, I think that label was like, well, uh, you know, we, after we finished the album, they're like, well, we want you to go out on the road and tour. And we were like, well, you know, we want to start seeing some, um, you know, advertising of the album to promotion and everything. And they're like, mm -hmm. well, no, we want you on the road. And we were like, you know, here we go again. And that's when we said, forget it, we're done. You know, Tommy, want, you know, at that point wanted out. And then, you know, the band just kind of, that was the end of it. The bummer. I mean, that also was good. I remember I had that, I had that one for the longest time too. I liked all your albums. It was, you know, or oh, EPs, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I mean, truly, and that's clearly that's why we're speaking today because they're still, they're still part of my collection, you know? Um, so at that point, when was that? Like in the probably mid-90s? Yeah, it was like 94. Yep, 94. It was funny too because we had such a, you know, we came out hard and heavy, you know, out of nowhere. And, it, you know, went for a good year and a half, two years. Um, and then... Uh, you know, going to a lecture and then that whole, you know, everything changed once Nirvana came out and Alice in Chains mm -hmm. and all of that and Pearl Jam. You know, it's funny because um, when we were doing the video for Fine Line, which was from the Scamboogery album, yep. as we're shooting the video there, there's two of the guys from Pearl Jam watching because the guy that shot our video was also working with them. So you, you, you started seeing everything changing, even on the scene, like we were in L.A. and stuff. There was a whole bunch of new players coming into it. Yeah. It's you crazy know, though. I mean, when we were doing Here Comes Trouble, we were in LA, you know, we were hanging out with guys, you know, Bon Jovi was at our record release party, Sam Kinison. Um, oh, really? Yeah. When we were doing shows, we played Florida, a drummer from Lynn and Skidder, Armist Pyle, loved us. He was in the audience, came up and said, Can I jam with you guys? And we did like another hour after our show of playing Skinner tunes, you know? So that doesn't, that, that doesn't surprise me. That's, he, he's that kind of guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. We ended up becoming friends with him for a long time. And, He's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, great guy. And we grew up on Skinner, you know? Oh, yeah. He's a great drummer, too. Um, yeah. So that's some really good stuff. Yeah, it is. It's, it's one of the greatest mysteries because that your band was not labeled at that point. You know, like, not a label, but not labeled. Like, you could have clearly gone on. And I don't think it's because you switched labels. I just think, I think, you know, my always thought was, like, no one ever knew what to do with you guys. That was definitely part of it. I think Electra had the chance to really blow us up, though. They they had the power to do it. Um, and the money. You know, and they could just put you yeah. out there and not even had to think about they, it. They could just promote the hell out of you. They could have put us on some shows with Metallica. You know, you know, uh, the Chili Peppers were on Warner, so they could have put it on us with, with them. I mean, there was so much they could have done with us. You know, we wanted to be... It was weird because we came out and we became the headliner with Here Comes Trouble. We wanted to be opening acts for the bigger bands, you know, and, you know, when we played with the Ramones in Italy, like people that like the Ramones had no idea who we were, but we killed it when we were on stage. I bet. You know, when, when we did the, um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers show in Germany, that just kind of happened by chance. We were playing like, you know, a couple of miles away from that, from their show. Yeah. And um, Henry Rollins was supposed to be the opener, but I think he got sick. So our tour manager called their tour manager and said, Hey, we're playing this small show over here. And, you know, this band's perfect to open. I know Henry's not doing it. They said, okay. So we played this, this big arena in, in Germany 
and nobody knew who we were. No one even knew we were on the, the, the show because we just got in, you know, that afternoon. And we came out and I think part of our adrenaline, we were so amped up and we just killed that show, man. The place was going crazy. Didn't know who we were. Some people obviously knew who we were, but most of them didn't know. And, you know, people would be, in, would really dig what we did because even if they didn't know us, they were watching us on stage going, what the hell are these guys about? You know, they right. were either laughing or digging it at the same time. Well, the, 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 the Peppers was a good band to go to for you guys because yeah. the Peppers also were very, you know, the, their fans were also all over the place. So, yeah. You know, and the biggest thing is like, Faith the More was on what, Epic Slash Records or something or Slash, yeah. and now around the same time. So I don't know why they didn't try making you look like the competition man against them, try to promote you as like, oh, you're, this is our Faith the More version because. Yeah. Well, you guys, you're on your own. I'll tell you a funny thing with that, too. We So uh, during the first album, we played a show in the city um, at NYU Halloween night with Mr. Bungle. <laughs> and uh, that was a great show. Oh, we man. basically, for that show, we went and like, we rented um, like these pale blue tuxedos with the ruffles and everything <laughs> that. And we came out on stage that night. And we were opening with uh, Eric Mai. And we just played the one E chord, you know, did it for like 30 seconds. And then we destroyed everything on stage and walked off. <laughs> and and the place went bizarre. We ended up coming back out after the, the, the roadies right. picked everything up and we came out and played. But yeah, that was that was a great time. But we had, we played with Mr. Bungle. Funny thing is about, I guess it's now about a year ago, when Mr. Bungle came back out and played, mm-hmm. you know, did shows. The um, the manager uh, reached out to me and wanted us to play in the city with them. He's like, "We're big fans. We love you guys." Um, and uh, at that time, we we couldn't do it. Tommy was actually uh, going to be away, so we couldn't. We ended up not doing that show. It's a shame. I mean, but I, I can see Mike. Mike Patton's always a big supporter of all kinds of bands and all kinds of music. So yeah. he's a, a big lover of music. Yeah, that that is just um, that's crazy. Do you want to know the paths? I'm sorry. No, yeah. I was going to say, no, as far as the, the crossing of the paths of the faith tomorrow was always a curious thing for me. I don't know, understand how that didn't happen more often back then. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, we, we really wanted to open for other bands. I think it would have helped us in the long run to get out to mm-hmm. more people that didn't know who we were. Um, so that was definitely a big mistake on uh, you know, different labels' parts. Yeah, you know, we, we did show. Yeah. You know, we were on we were on the same label as Twenty Four Seven Spies. We did some shows with them. You know, we always did stuff. You know, side by side with other bands. You know, Biohazard. You know, that was really ludicrous. You know, it was all different things that we we always did, but we we wanted to be able to be that opening band. Like I was saying mm-hmm. before, with Electra, I mean, we could have done some shows with Metallica. That would have been perfect for us. Yeah. You know, you know they even that. sent us. There, there was there's a convention that they did back. Um, I'm sure for years called Wea Warner Brothers Electric Atlantic, and they would have this big, huge show. You know, it'd be like a three-day um, thing in California, and um, so we were on the label. So they invited us. We each had our own suites and everything. You know, they, they threw around money like it was nothing. Yeah. And um, so then we're sitting there. You know, we're watching Prince play and and Natalie Cole and and all these huge, huge people, and we're sitting there like, wow. And then. Afterwards, you're up in the hotel room, 
with where all the parties going on and, and all these people you're walking around with and here's you know these five jerk offs hanging out with everybody going what the hell you know but it, <laughs> it, they could have used us to you know with any of those bands to really yeah. you know really push us to the next level no i i agree it's 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 ridiculous when you guys uh, all separated, what happened? You guys, who, you guys, obviously, you're all friends, so I imagine you guys were just frustrated with the business and just said, you know. Yeah, you know, it was tough. Um, at that point, you know, in our 30s, um, I had the chance that back then, I, I had the chance to, you know, the, the Divinals in Australia offered me a gig to stay there and play. I turned it down. Um, you know, we all came home, I guess, just not knowing what the hell we are going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up starting a couple of businesses. I started a landscaping business and then started a, a used car lot. Um, and everyone kind of went their own way. Tommy went into like, um, he had something to do like financial stuff. Um, uh, Glenn was still started playing with another band, but he was, I think he was starting to do his, um, graphic artist stuff yeah yeah he was in a band he had like an album out too i think too yeah right? stone, stone deep i think it was the name of the band something like that yeah yeah um paul was still doing some producing and stuff i don't remember what he was doing for work i think he was doing um he ended up going into uh auto body which he has his own place now and who did i leave out anybody i think that's it. mike uh mike yeah mike was um Mike was still out playing. Mike was still do- going for it. Um, and he did it for a long time. He, he he was out there playing, trying to do his thing. Yeah, good drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know. So then, you get the, now you got a store. All yeah, well, that's, that's even long, yeah, years later, after um, not knowing what the hell to do with my life. You know, you basically come off a tour bus and you go, now what? You lived eight years doing this rock and roll thing and then you're back home saying what am i going to do now and um yeah so i, I did i i started the landscaping business and i had you know very successful landscaping business and the local music store that i grew up going to from like seven years old mm-hmm. i was friends with the owner and when i was touring i would bring my stuff in he would take care of all my uh my gear before i go on the show or record uh record and in exchange for me putting, you know, thanks to all music on the albums. And um, years later, about, I guess, maybe another eight years later, as I was doing the landscape and I was doing his house and stuff, and he said, you ever think about doing this? He was he was interested in, you know, getting out of the store. And um, I said, I don't know. I said, it's music, I guess. You know, so I went in, I, I worked for a couple months during the winter. I wasn't landscaping and I, it, it seemed like a, a good move for me. And, that, and that's what I ended up doing. And that's uh, almost 20 years ago. And now you obviously took it over. And yeah. then yeah. When it, when it was past the torch. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. It's been a while. I think it's great. It's, 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 it's actually a good success story because a lot of artists, you know, to recovery and to be back in something you still love and, you know, have things like your bills paid and have a family in yeah. house, you know, yeah. and, and to move on is, is, is a great thing. Cause like I said, you, you got off a bus, you said, you know, get in your thirties, you're like everyone, you know, in the thirties, already been in their twenties. We're getting established. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden you're like, you're a 30 year old. It's a lot harder to 
craft your way into something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was home, you know, I was up at, you know, one o'clock in the morning calling my friend saying, Hey, you guys want to rent? They're like, what are you talking about? I got, I got to get up for work. You know, we were still on that, the reverse yeah. clock and, and living and, and uh, yeah, it, it definitely took a little to, uh, you know, a little bit of a swallowing of pride to, you know, kind of go back to normalcy, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't help, you, you, you're living a different life, you know, just what it is. You know, you're, you're living, uh, you know, your, 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 uh, your job is to go out and play music and entertain and party and, you know, and you come back to the real world. Outside of becoming like the size of like a huge like stones or something, you guys, you you kind of kind of like a best of both worlds things because, you know, if you be continued on, it's just a bigger challenge to have you know a family and kids and like a nice house and like you know what I mean, have a balance of right. life. So yeah. you when you're younger, you got you really got to be a rock and roll guy. As an adult, you got a business and a family, and you know what I mean, get a little both. Yeah, you know, back then people would say to you, oh, you know, you're so lucky you got to do it. You did and i'd be like well kind of sucks because you did it and then it got taken away from you kind of yeah, deal yeah. but um you know at this age now i can look back and say man we had a lot of great memories we had a lot of good times and the cool thing is i'm still getting to do it because um like about 12 years ago i you know of course we're still all friends and i would call tommy I'd be like tommy we should do something we should and every year I'd be like nah 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 and um then he went to see, I guess it was around 12, 13 years ago. He went in the city to see the Crumb Suckers when they reunited. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah, he called me after the show and he's like, you know, I'm like going to see them. And it's like everyone was stopping me and knew who I was and everything. So it kind of made him feel good, got got the uh, the blood flowing again. Yeah. I was like, I think we should do it. And, you know, that's what we did. We, we got that, we had a big gig at, um, bb kings and then two other shows and um what we did was we actually reunited ludicrist and scatterbrain at the same time so the three shows we did was an entire show of ludicrist we took like you know a half an hour break and then we come back out and do a whole scatterbrain show did you have a couple different numbers like change between the two or is it the same band? no it was it was me um paul and tommy um then the original drummer from well, one of the original drummers from uh, Ludacris, which was Dave Miranda. He was the power mm-hmm. trip drummer. And then my friend from high school, Pete, who we got when, when Glenn decided not to do the reunion with us, Pete came in and learned everything. So he was like the filling guitar player for those two shows. Yes, the guys, because I've seen clips, some of the clips, the, the videos, you know, online that somebody yeah. did. So Pete's that guy, the guitar player. Yeah. And did a good job. Dave's know? a great player. He's always been yeah. a great player. I mean, so, and, and so that's what the drummer was too. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, so he's a monster drummer. So, and it was located what, in the New York area, probably. So it's easy to get together. Pre-COVID, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to get yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that we did. That was you know that was the start of it twelve years ago. And then every couple of years, we'd get a show here and there. We, we, like, um, really, really, we, we that was the last time. Two thousand seven was the last time we did a scatterbrain show. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been doing ludicrous shows. So we would do um, a show here and there, here and there. We actually, right before COVID, I guess it was three weeks before lockdown, we played um, a, a big show in New York for the the owner of Sun, the old owner of Sundance, and we played with Testament, and um, it was pretty cool. I bet you went over well too. Yeah, we, it was a great night. It was a great night. That, that audience loves Lucas and Scatterbrain. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, home, it's home, hometown too, you know. Yeah, You're in my backyard. So yeah, we, you know, it was a, it was a really good night. We had, we had a lot of fun. Are you guys going to be doing it more when this is over? Well, my plans, I, I kind of like run the, 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 the um, Facebook pages. Yes, I, there's, I, there's a Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that. So I've been kind of like the guy doing all the, the stuff behind because still being kind of in music in that way, I still have contacts with different people and talk to different right. people. So um, I do get contacted for different things. So we were planning on doing a scatterbrain reunion because the album was here comes trouble turned 30 years old last year. So that was our plan. Everything got changed from then. So we were looking to get onto a festival in Europe or different stuff like that. So we're hoping to still do that. That's our plan. Um, but we, sh we shall see. If everything great. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I would love to do it. I think all, all the guys are really, we're really ready to do it. You know, it's been yeah, such a victory lap, time. you know, you yeah. lap at the end of the game. We get to run around the bases. Yeah. You put the time in, you have the fans. It's just. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're all we're approaching that 60 mark, man. I'm like, come on, we got to get this done. You guys sound good though. There really isn't like a, a change, you know, and it's no. just a little bit older. It just hurts that's a little it. bit more. That's all. Takes a little bit more time to uh, to get the fingers limber and going again, you know. Is this a point in your life where you're like, man, a time to switch to a lighter base? I need. What are the lighter oh, words? I, I I did that a long time ago, man. A long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. I when I started, I was playing this old Imanes base that that's all I used, but it was heavy as hell. It was so heavy. And then um, when I got an endorsement with uh, BC Rich, I started making everything out of a a lighter wood called basswood. And after mm -hmm. that, that's all I ever used because running around on stage, jumping off drum rides and everything, I, I needed something light, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I, if I was you, I would have made things out of balsa. Whatever, like, I'm too tired, man. Yeah. <laughs> really. <light. laughs> the tone's horrible, but it's light. It's like three pounds. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's fantastic. What's going on with your store while you're in a mid holding pattern? How are you doing there? Well, you know, we're holding our own. Of course, just like everybody, you know, we had to adapt and and make some changes. Um, when we got shut down, like, what is it? I guess it was March 16th was like the day that everything mm -hmm. got shut down. I basically closed the store for a month and then I was going back into the store by myself three days a week and doing curbside delivery and ended up like I was the only store in New York doing it. So, you know, I'd leave my house, I'd drive, you know, I'm like a half an hour from my store. And it, it, it was like, there was nobody anywhere. It was just like, you know, Weird. a car here and there. It was really mm -hmm. strange. So I decided to do it and give it a shot. And, you know, I put it out on my Facebook page and, you know, whatever. And I was busy as hell. I, I was the only store open in New York. And people were driving all from, you know, Brooklyn and, you know, Queens and everywhere to come in and buy stuff. So I was up and down the stairs all day long. People were buying strings or guitars or pianos, whatever it was, but I was uh, actually doing business. So it was nice. Um, but, you know, all my guys obviously were, were laid off and at home. Um, I had to move all my lessons to zoom lessons at home. And um, so we did all that stuff and just kind of adapted. So, you know, now, you know, we've been back in the store for months, basically since like um, 
I guess June when they kind of let us open back up again. Yeah. And um, but it's still totally different, you know. People don't want to come out or don't want to come in. People still want, you know, curbside delivery. They're too scared. Still to doing Zoom? How about like do you do guys doing Zoom, Zoom lessons still? I imagine. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, probably ninety to ninety-five percent of the kids still are doing it from home. Not that we wanted that. We we still have teachers that are teaching in the store now, but I think some of the kids got so used to doing it and they're home schooling like that now that that's the way it's has so, stayed. I can see advantages to it. Like, I, I, maybe you can tell me the teacher's part where it's harder, but from a parent, you don't have to drive them out. They're at yeah. home. You don't have to, like, if you're home, they can hop on the computer. It makes it a lot easier economically. Yeah, go online. We'll pay for your lessons. I don't have to do anything about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it does, but it, it, I guess, it, um, you know, to me, and I'm sure any of the teacher would say the same thing, to be able to sit next to the kid and say, hey, you know, you're not, your finger's wrong there, or hold it this way, or change your position this way. It's always different on a computer screen. As you can see, you only see so much of an angle, mm-hmm. especially if you're holding an instrument. And that could be a guitar or drums or violin, it doesn't matter. So the, to me, there's nothing like, you know, in, you know, uh, you know, one-on-one lessons. For someone that's a more seasoned person that's been doing it for a while, yeah, Zoom lessons, you know, it's great. You know, people do that that are experienced, and you can do that with no problem. But for the beginners and stuff, it's definitely uh, a better to have a, you know, I tend to see that, you know what I mean? Quick rundown. Tommy is uh, an English teacher in in a high school over here. He's been doing that for a long time. Um, Paul owns a body shop, a couple of body shops here in Long Island. Um, Glenn is a graphic artist. I think he owns a graphic artist company. Um, and Mike is, um, he does, he's got a company that does something with, um, has something to do with golf. It's called Tempo in Motion. Basically, he came up with this thing that you use by using um, like a metronome with music, taking music to make your golf swing better and, and smoother. So he kind of melded the two together and, and did this thing, and, and it's been very well for him. He's living out in uh, Florida right now. That's great. It's good to hear that. I'm gonna add that yeah. part and I'll cut that in. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, That's and, so and the cool thing was for me and Mike, you know, Mike didn't do any of those reunions with us because at the time he was living in um, New Mexico, um, and two, it's a year and a half ago, um, we, we got I got a call, and uh, you know the guitar player Larry Mitchell. Mm-hmm. He, um, I, I did a show with him. He submitted my name. Uh, Steve Vai does a, a, a like a camp here in, in Long mm-hmm. Island. I want to go. Yeah, so th- they needed um, someone to to play in the rooms for the for the students for that whole week. So, oh. you know, they put my name. So they called me and they you know talked to me and I said yeah. And I said, do you need a drum? They're like, yeah, we can use a drum. So I I said I got the drum for you. So I called Mike. I'm like, Mike, can you do this? Can you come down and spend it? You know, a week in New York. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So me and Mike got to get got together after yeah. 25 years of not playing, and we went into this room, and for a whole week we got to play for this Steve Vai's um, camp, and it was the coolest <laughs> thing. We had a great time. It was so great for us to be you know together playing again. It was like, you know, like you know, we, we didn't miss a beat. You know, 
Okay. And guy, thanks for being on the show tonight. Um, we'll probably link to everything that we've talked about underneath it, the uh, the YouTube video, and um, we'll catch you soon. <laughs> hopefully, you'll have some yeah. announcements. Yeah, maybe. hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll we'll be. I'll be telling you the next time we're playing a show. Yeah, you'll be a friend of the show, so we'll, we have to do some announcements. We have some small areas we just do announcements and stuff too. Yeah. So we'll be looking forward to it. I want to thank you for your time, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you.